Welcome to the HU Piratship Podcast. You can find us at www.hupirateship.com where we talk about the pirates. I'm your host, Big Reek, along with Hamptonite from the HU Piratship. What's going on, Hamptonite? Oh, man. Well, you know, I, I mean, I had uh, a bit of melancholy uh, watching the pirates get destroyed by uh, North Carolina ANT. I wouldn't say they got destroyed, but over. This was a boxing match, you know. This was like, uh, you know, we went toe to toe for the first five to six rounds, and then unfortunately, you know, the skill and the will of the other boxer, you know, slowly overcame my dear pirates. Yes, and slowly. I was a little bit <laughs> slowly, and then it just, of course, you know, the our team's defenses defense just could not hold up, hold, you know, just could not contain Tariq Cohen and. Like a boxer, he put us on the ropes too many times, and he get, just gave us a lot too many shots. And unfortunately, uh, we do have a wide arsenal of uh, weapons to you know to counter with them, but we could not give him a knockout blow in the red zone. So unfortunately, we lost, we took too many shots and lost. Yeah, and that's true. even though. Even though we should, I mean, it was expected. I did think we could, we had a really good chance to win. But unfortunately, the key pivotal factor was J.J. Williamson. Mm. Oh, all right, we we're gonna try and take it easy on on that on the young brother because we do appreciate <laughs> appreciate his thank efforts. You. But, thank, uh, you. Thank, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for getting our AP up, son. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, we're gonna take you it do. easy on him. He's a uh, he's a Hamptonian <laughs> through and through. And you're getting your masters, <laughs> no doubt. So those are all good things. Thank but you, yes. thank you, young, thank you, young brother. Yes, yes, but uh, yes, there are some <laughs> issues there, and we, we'll go through them. Oh, <laughs> no doubt. And I gotta say thank you for calming me down after that game Thursday night I had to I, I watched that and it was it was uh, a sight I'll put it that way so <laughs> yeah I would be mad too if I drove all the way to Greensboro yeah, and watched man. that debacle yes, yes 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 it was worse in person actually <laughs> yes yeah so yeah on this week's show we're going to uh, review uh, of course the loss to A&T we'll look at the MEAC scoreboard things are getting pretty interesting in the MEAC um, and we'll update the MEAC standings as well. And then we'll look ahead to Delaware State. So this year, this week, uh, so first we'll start off, of course, with the 31-9 to loss to North Carolina A&T, nationally, nationally televised game on ESPNU. Um, it was a pretty competitive, well, I won't say competitive. It was an evenly played game in the first half. Um, you know, as we're sitting there in the stands, I think it was a mix of fans on both sides. And I think we're all commiserating together at the, the way the game was being played. So it wasn't a well-played game in the first half. Um, but you know, that's not what we needed to do to keep it close, play a, a dirty game, kind of muck, not dirty, like, uh, from a sportsmanship perspective, but kind of muck it up and keep things ugly. And we were able to do that in the first half. Um, they took a seven to a ten to three lead into halftime. Um, and then, like uh, Hampton, I said, the second half, the floodgates just opened up, and uh, Tariq Cohen just went wild. So we'll get into that, like we do every week, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and try and break this game out and you know, find some nuggets, some things we can look at as the team moves forward. Um, so yeah, man, the good, um, Rayshon Proctor. 12 catches, 188 yards. Um, you know, he looked pretty impressive. Uh, Shaquem Alonzo, he has six catches for 94 yards. I mean, he's getting a lot better. 
It says a route one runner and an all-around uh, wide receiver. And uh, good, I guess, if you want to call a partial victory, some sort of a moral victory. The first half defense limited A&T to 158 yards. Um, so the defense did their job. They were put in some tough spots, but for the most part, they responded and, and gave the team a chance going into the second half. Unfortunately, that's all I have for the good. Anything else to add there, Hampton tonight? No. Um, <clears throat> I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Uh, Rayshon Proctor, uh, a transfer, 12 catches, 188. Shaquem Alonzo, a transfer, 6 catches, 94 yards. Half decent defense, pretty much all transfers. Great job. And if you if you're listening to what I'm saying, transfers, 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 mm-hmm. and that was the only good. Jeez, that's that's <laughs> it. That's kind of bad, man. That is, you know what? That is bad. I mean, Yaki Johnson, they keyed on him all game. He didn't play. He didn't. He couldn't get off. Uh, and. <laughs> They double team uh, mix and all day, so of course, just only only those two players, Alonzo and Proctor, had great games. And I mean, there's nothing much, pretty much more that we could say about this. Damn, you're right. Yeah, I, I would like to point out some members of the defense for the second half, but like they say, unfortunate for the first half. But unfortunately, it is a 60 minute game, not a 30 minute game, but. The defensive line played well in the first half um, and got a, oh, lot of, a lot of penetration. I think there was 97, number 97. I mean, he was all over uh, no, the place. Number, number 98, number yeah. 98. And you know what, number 98 and number 92. Those okay. two guys played exceptional. And, of course, we could say 53 with Obasui. Mm-hmm. They kept Tariq. And if you notice, they pinched together when they tried to send Tariq on those off-tackle plays. Because they knew if they started doing those jet sweeps, they would have trouble because there were corners on the outside were just as athletic to get them. Same with Devin Van Dyke. Now, I mean, but eventually, though, the, our defense got tired, you know, because our offense, even though we are a 2020 team, we can move the ball well between the 20 yard lines. But the problem is we could not convert those uh, scores. And I just really think that the defense, you know, played a magnificent half. And I think if the offense spurred them along a little more, then they would have continued to play at that level. But morale, you know, their morale started to dip and dampen as the offense couldn't get on track. Yep, exactly. And uh, and we'll talk about one of the plays where it was the turning point in the game and it just switched the whole morale. And you could tell everybody was dejected after that play. Um, yep. So, yeah, we'll jump into that, the bad. So we'll spend some time here. So uh, starting out, uh, the, and for the whole game for the most part, the game management was pretty uh, interesting, I'll say. Say somewhat PC. And the flow, it, it just wasn't good football. Either, either penalties on both sides, the referees, the TV timeouts. Um, it was it was just a pretty orchest- pretty poorly orchestrated game from the league office down to the coaches. Um, it wasn't uh, pretty to watch, especially if you're on the in the stands. I guess if you're watching at home, you can change the channel. But in the stands, it was pretty poor, and I think it was exacerbated by the uh, TV timeouts and that sort of situation. So that that just ruined the whole flow of the game. So the game management, game flow was awful. Um, and that, that went into the second half, but Tariq Cohen put on such a show, you kind of forgot about that. 
Um, but I think both sets of fans were, were lamenting the, the management of the game by all parties. Um, what's worse than that, the Pirates were one for five in the red zone. Let's go through those misses in the red zone. Uh, the first quarter, <laughs> there was a turnover and turnover and downs um, in the first quarter. They had a blocked field goal in the first quarter. That could have been 10 points right there. Um, the third quarter, the team got another fire and brimstone or some sort of coaching up at halftime. Team went from 20 down to close to the other 20. 11 play, 58-yard drive, and then another interception. Um, and that was a turning point of the game. I think everybody just said, oh, it ain't happening tonight. And uh, the game just went downhill from there. But that third quarter interception to open the third quarter, it was a long drive, too. Um, that mm-hmm. just, I think, ruined the game uh, right there. And in the fourth quarter, there was another turnover on downs. So that's four uh, wasted opportunities uh, in the other opponent's uh, red zone. So that was probably the worst aspect of the entire game. Hampton, anything to add about those red zone misses? Um, well, first, um, I do think that um, it was a very terrible red zone opportunity when uh, we were on uh, A&T's one-yard line, and and you see A&T stacking their huge, huge defensive line on the line. They had at least four down linemen, and I don't think any of those guys were below 290 pounds. You know, this is probably one of the best defensive lines in the MEAC. Oh, not and, even close, not even yeah. close. Yeah, yeah, not even close. I mean, this is probably best. I mean, this is the best defensive line in HBCU football, and you decide to run at them with either Yaki Johnson, and and then you put Eric Carter on the edge, like on a toss play. You know, Eric Carter is a power running back, and he, I mean, he his game is not to outrun you, it's to run through you, and you put him out on the edge. That was just poor coaching, and I just. It just makes me question, you know, I guess what are the red zone packages? And I just think that play could have been a lot better. I would have just tossed Yaki out there and just say outrun everybody. <laughs> or, you know, and, you, and, and Eric Carter is not going to run up, <coughs> up into that, uh, that line because our line, I mean, just could not. It could not move those guys, especially in short yardage situations. You know, that was just a a terrible uh, problem. And the big, my, my thing is with quarterbacks, right? And I think I heard, uh, uh, I think it was Steve Young. He said this about quarterbacks in the NFL. He says certain quarterbacks, uh, no, Greg Lombardi. He said this, he said, Matt, Matthew Stafford is a great 20 to 20 quarterback. He can move the ball in the 2020s, just like Alex Smith. But when it comes to red zone scoring, this is where you get paid the big money because it takes arm strength and accuracy and skills. JJ has the mindset, but his skill set does not match his athletic ability. So he throws those interceptions or he does not have the strength to stand tall in the pocket, you know. Mm. And so these are the things that, you know, were gave us the problems during the red zone. You know, he throw he throws a pick because the receiver that he's throwing the ball to I mean, he did not throw on that pass he threw to uh, Shaquem Alonzo. I mean, the ball went right to the receiver. You know, so these are the type of instances that I think we have that are problematic for our team, you know. And I do think that if I was Maynard, 
on the red zone, I'll just say, JJ, get out. <laughs> Brandon Cox, come in. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, they did. And one of, one of the opportunities, they put Brandon Cox in. And it, yeah. like, it was one of the blown ones at the end in the fourth quarter, maybe. Yes, it was and, a false uh, start. Yeah, false start when they got pushed back. Then they put Brandon Carter in, and he, he's not running. He's not passing the ball right now. So it was it was clear that, all right, we're going to try and run it. And I think it was stuffed when they tried to run it with Cox. It, it was – Yeah. I don't know what that game yeah. plan is. It's just awful. I, I'll put it that way. But uh, No, absolutely. Bad. And, you know, I just – I didn't have enough time to really research it, but – I do know from watching the game, every game, Hampton Knight, every game there has been a turnover either in their red zone or an opponent's red zone. So either when they're going into the score or when they're backed up in the other yeah. opponent. Every game they've had some kind of miscue close to the goal line. So there's something there, something there. I'm sure they're trying to fix it, but it hasn't been fixed yet. And every game it reared its ugly head. And this game – when you made those mistakes against that defensive front, man, it's over. I mean, those guys were nasty. I have to give them props. They look like our defensive line, like when we had Dixon and Langford and all those guys, man. They were they were they were tough. So I give them props. But when you go against guys like that, you get exposed, and we were absolutely. Yeah, man. So absolutely. Yeah. So the red zone that was a mess. Um, special teams that was a mess. Uh, the fumble by um, T.J. Mixon. Uh, gave A and T the ball on the three yard line uh, in the first quarter. Actually, that happened before I even sat in my seat, man. So <laughs> I didn't even see that one. But A uh, and T scored on that, and that they took the lead and got the momentum early. And um, also, there was a blocked field goal attempt, and that kick was awful. It just it, it never even had a chance. It might have hit somebody in the back of the helmet. That's how poor that was. So. Uh, the special teams, rear, of course, again, when you play a better team, those things get exposed. So special teams was another blunder. Uh, I told you guys, this is a lengthy, man. So we're not even halfway there. Offensive balance. So I've been advocating um, for less balance, actually. And I know Maynard likes to say 50-50 far as the run and the pass, but we cannot be a pass-heavy team. Um, I know A&T is tough, but maybe you just play it slow. Uh, play it close and then see what happens towards the end. But um, JJ uh, offense had 55 passes this week, 32 run attempts. Um, that's just not going to work. So uh, there was no balance, and uh, you put the game into JJ's hands, and uh, that's not really what he's cut out for. He's more of a a defense uh, a game manager. Um, the defense was playing well, and you know I, I think you can give him a chance by running the ball, even if you can get down to third and five. I mean, that's better than uh, third and ten. I mean, it was poor balance, man. Any Anything else about the balance in that run pass? I mean, I think it should be heavier run than pass, and I think we'll see that. Hopefully we'll see that. Well, I would say that uh, run pass is um, we should have ran the ball more, but, of course, uh, A&T's front seven is <laughs> their mm. mammoth, you yes. know? And, you know, and they put, a, I guess, a dent into our – our game plan and but there this is a thing though that i think that the stats don't pick out connell manor loves to run those uh screen passes uh where yaki will run out into the flat and it's basically a glorified toss yeah but jj just throws it overhand and those count as pass plays but in actuality they are run plays mm-hmm. so i do think that um 
I do think that, you know, we do have a lot of those type of plays. And if you notice, there were a lot of, like, those little screen plays, screen passes, shovel passes. So, I mean, I think those are just different ways of getting the ball, uh, getting the running backs the ball, just um, that were outside of the um, the running uh, of, like, just traditional handoffs. Um, and anytime you have J.J. throwing over – uh, I would say even over 30 passes, then that means we're in trouble. Yes. Because he, even though I do think that he could be very accurate at times, I think his athletic ability literally hinders him against like larger defensive fronts. And uh, and we saw that uh, um, with on Thursday. Uh, he can like he was hitting a very good medium passes, but though I mean I don't think he has thrown a a deep pass. I, I, can, I don't think I've ever seen him throw a deep pass in his career at Hampton. And that's just being honest. Not one deep pass. He may have had one um, like two years ago. Um, but you're <laughs> right. All the deep passes here are like catch and run, like that one to Proctor. Yeah. Like okay, says, yeah, the one to Proctor at ODU. Yeah, the one to Proctor at ODU. That was the first play of the game, that uh, play-action pass. That's the only one that I have seen. Everything else has just been medium to dink and dunk passes. Yep. And... I'm not saying he has to show off his arm, but anytime you give him the ball for he has the ball in his hands for over 30 pass attempts, then that means our team is either playing behind and we're playing catch up. Yep. And that's not and that's not good. Yeah, we have 55. <laughs> so, what's a better mix, man? I I think I mean you know Maynard really likes to say 50 50, but I yeah, mean, and I ain't coaching, but I, I, I 60 40 is doable yeah. is doable in the MIAC. I say 60-40 run. Yeah. Oh, 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 yes. No with doubt. Our team. Yes. Yes. With yes. our team. Yes. Because even though I do think we have great receivers, um, I would say, like, I think that we're still – our talent is still based upon rushing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, that opens up so many avenues with play action. Agree. Agree. So, yeah, hopefully we'll get more balance going forward. The next bad, uh, the offensive line. Pop quiz, uh, Hampton Knight. Who was the team's leading rusher against A&T? Oh, oh man, it was a diminutive five foot. I would say five foot two quarterback. I'm I'm joking. It is the J.J. Williamson, the five ten listed quarterback. And you say listed with a question mark. He ran what uh, nine uh, nine rushes for forty one yards. Yep. And but but this is the thing though. He is as is athletic as. <laughs> Oh, Peyton Manning or Byron Leftwich. He's slew foot, yeah. lumbering. Yeah. Can't get his foot can't get out of the way. That's what the type of guy he is. So, yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, I just think that he, um, you know, he should not ever be the rusher. I mean, he like all those plays are just desperation plays. And I will say this too: the uh, broadcasters, uh, Jay Walker said. That Maynard, Coach Maynard said that JJ has football speed. Whatever that is. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, 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 that's, uh, I, 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 that's a good job. You got to pump up your quarterback, but uh, yeah. no, man, that's not, uh, that's not evident. So, yes, he um, led the team nine rushes, 41 yards. Second was Yaki Johnson. I was expecting to see more, but they couldn't do anything with that defensive front. Yeah, he had nine rushes for twenty-nine yards. Garrett had yeah. six for fifteen, and Carter was six for eight. So 
rough day. So offensive line didn't get any push, man. Um, rough day for the offensive line. And uh, I just saw a couple plays. I mean, they were getting pushed back. I mean, they were just stacking them, man. And the linebackers were running free and uh, making plays. Um, the next bad, the defense made Tariq Cohen look like Barry Sanders in the second half. So, I mean, you look at some of those runs, like the highlight run, they were literally like Barry Sanders. You're like running from one hash to the next half, back to the next hash, and then off for of 60 yards or 90, whatever it is. But he had 203 of his 256 yards and three touchdowns. No, 203 yards and three touchdowns in the second half. And uh, they were all nice runs, too. None of, none of them were ordinary, vanilla, mundane runs. They were all like, damn, damn, that was nice. Who's that? <laughs> like, I mean, that kid is nice, man. But the defense, um, they kind of, <sighs> yeah, I, I'm sure the defense, you're embarrassed by that. But, I mean, the performance was impressive. But the defense got to hold them in. I, I think that was the most worst career. So they, they, they dropped the ball on that in the second half. Um, any thoughts on that performance by Cohen, man? I mean, that was impressive. No, what we just saw is probably one of the best players ever to come out of the MEAC. Yeah. I mean, and I'm talking, and we're talking about guys that are, I mean, we're we're talking about going up against the Jackie Slaters, you know, the Art Shells, you know, the Mel Blunts, you know, these guys. And, I mean, I think that he probably, if he ever gets drafted, I mean, I'm sure he would. He'd probably be like a a mid-round pick, you know, based upon his height. But this kid is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I don't care, and I don't care. I uh, the ESPN broadcaster said they saw, I think, two thirds of the NFL uh, scouts at this game, and I know they were salivating. Even though our the competition is not even even up to snuff, but football is football, and this yep. kid can play it. Yep. And I think that any coach with the brain will take this kid and figure out a way to get give him the ball. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, he was just great. And our defense did a great job for the first two halves. But unfortunately, they can't play four full quarters when there's no offense. They're going to be tired. Yeah. And I still think that we have a great defense. I just feel bad for them because of the ineptitude of our offense. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And one and one thing you said about the pros, like, We've been watching Miak football long enough to know, like even like you said, that the the level of competition isn't you know always up to par. But when there's a good player, he's good, and you know it right away. And uh, Cohen is a pro, um, so it'll be interesting to see him and who where, what system he goes to at the next level that can take advantage of his talents. Um, but he 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 highlighted that uh, against us. Um, so yeah, defense needs to work on that containment and tackling. Um, and the final bad for the night is TJ Mixon. Now, I mean, he can't throw himself the ball, so who knows, you know, what the issue is, but I mean, um, the fumble, you know, that happens, probably lost it in the lights. That's unfortunate, but trying to catch the ball within the, like your five yard line. That, I mean, that's kind of nuts. I'm fielding a punt within yeah. the five. That's, that's just unacceptable. And, uh, he's just not getting the balls thrown to him. Uh, I'm not yeah. sure if it's um, JJ has some other favorite, so he's not getting open or what. But or like you said in other podcasts, he's not a fit for what JJ does with a deep ball. But uh, I mean, he's I mean he's the game game breaker, man. And they they got to find a way to get him the ball if he's if he's healthy. But uh, I, I'm sad that he's not getting the touches and going out uh, the way we would expect him to to go out 
you know, especially considering his early career. Yeah, and I, I agree 100% with you. And I, I'm it's sad to see this because if you've watched, of course, he was a pre, preseason All-MIAC player. Player, And he was a, uh, uh, if you looked on a few draft boards, he was there. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he was looked at as a potential, you know, undrafted free agent or a late sleeper round pick. And unfortunately, we don't have David Watford who saw the potential in him. It's, I, it's not that I don't think that uh, that JJ uh, doesn't look to him as a option. I just think that JJ just does not have the ability to get off his first read then look to his second read or go look at JJ as his first read, go to a second read and go back to JJ. I just don't, he just does, does not have that level of, ability to do that and i think that that's how tj mixon's game has suffered you know i mean he just does not have the uh quarterback that can actually give him the ball the way he needs it and that is what uh really is uh really really hurts about tj um because he's such a good young he's a good young man he's a he's a excellent person excellent teammate and unfortunately, we don't have David Watford on, on, on the roster. And this is why he's probably not in the position where he's at now. Yeah, yeah, that's a good explanation, man. Very good. Well, I, I am certain that they are trying to put some things together for him to uh, get him some, some touches because, uh, I mean, he is the game breaker. I mean, everyone else is good, but he'll take it. He can take it 90 yards, and we've seen that. So hopefully they can get him on track. Um, so yeah, that's that's it for our bad man. It was lengthy, um, and we'll go with our tight end watch here, man. So there was a tight end sighting. Richard Kentrell had one catch for twenty eight yards. <laughs> you know, it was funny sitting in the stands because we were, we were kind of laughing at him because he caught the ball and he was just waiting for somebody to tackle him. And if he would have just put his foot in the ground and run, he might have scored. But he went for 28 yards, and he was just look, running the whole way, just looking for somebody to tackle him. But uh, he made a catch and made a play. So that's two weeks in a row, man, with a big play from the tight end. So maybe somebody's yeah, listening he, to us. <laughs> we'll do some, well, we'll do some I, self-scouting. I would say this, too. He probably rarely get, runs with the ball, and he's scared that if somebody came from behind him and knocked it out, you know, that's what he was more afraid of than anything. <laughs> and then second, if you watch him play, He's not even a receiving tight end. He's a blocking tight end. That's right, so yeah. the fact that he got the ball, he's sitting here like, what in the world <laughs> right. am I doing with this thing? Right. But, Don't trip. Don't so, fumble. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I say that he was lumbering. He's lumbering. He's slew-footed. You know, just foot just can't get out of the way. You yeah. know, <laughs> it's <Yeah>. hilarious. <laughs> that's right. So, man, that, that's it for this game, man. Any other thoughts? Anything that I missed or we missed? Uh summation in the um, summation of this game. I'll just say just to sum it up, um I heard those Miak refs were suspended, you know. Oh, they were they, they should have been. It was yeah. awful. It was awful. Yeah. They were ter- they were terrible. They were and terrible. the whole thing with these refs, um sometimes, you know, and I hate this problem in some of our games, especially Miak games, they want to over officiate. You know, stop over officiating, you know. You know, just let the kids play. I'm not saying that if a guy is is holding or doing something outrageous. But if a person is holding, like let's say if you take off, uh, if you return a kickoff and the, the kick returner is on a five yard about to go in and score and somebody is holding 
a player on a 50-yard line. Don't penalize them because the kid cannot because the person is not affecting the play. And I think that this is the type of issue that we are seeing with the MEAC refs, you know. Like, stop having conferences for five to ten minutes. You know, it's not that serious. Especially you know, on national get, TV. On national TV, you know. And if the mic goes out, have a backup mic. You know, <laughs> you know I guess the only thing I can say positively about the, the referee performance is that they suck for everybody. So, they, I mean, they were bad yes. for a and I mean, they didn't show any favoritism. I mean, they were just awful all around in every way possible. So, good to, he, good to hear that they were suspended because uh, they don't need to be ruining somebody's season, yeah. man. So they'll be back. Yeah, you know, eventually. This, is, this yeah. is the MEAC. You know, they can't pay um, top dollar. So, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll be back. Yep. Shoot. Good, good point, man, about them being suspended. Excellent. So, hey, man, let's jump into the MEAC, man. So it was a very interesting week as far as MEAC football is concerned. Some big upsets, interesting scores. Uh, people already throwing in the towel for the year. So it's been an interesting week. So. Let's uh, go down to MEAC scoreboard. Um, Morgan State beat Delaware State 20-17. to 17. Um, No intrigue there. That was pretty much uh, chalk. Although it was a good game, um, Morgan State did pull that out 20-17. to uh, 17. Um, The big upset of the week, uh, Howard beat Norfolk State 33-28. to 28. Um, Let's see, Hankerson, he had a good game stat-wise. Uh, it's 25 or 35, 366 yards, two touchdowns. Philly, y'all, who might be my third favorite running back in the conference behind Johnson and Cohen. Philly off of Hampton, he had a uh, 22 carries for 1515 yards. And uh, Norfolk State receivers had a good game as well. But uh, Howard took that game, man. And uh, it looks like Norfolk State is pretty uh, dejected over that loss. Nobody was expecting that. Um, any thoughts there, man? And what's going on with Scott down in Norfolk State, man? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like well, I like the I like the, uh, the you know the the rivals beating up on each other like that. But dang, I, we we thought Howard wouldn't win another game this year. You know what? Absolutely. And the way that we played, we just beat Howard down and felt like a almost like and I would hate to say this like. Like, Howard actually, like, walked in our house and, you know, <laughs> tried to steal something. And we just saw. And we beat them down. And then, but we didn't call the police. We just beat them down. And then just so he wouldn't do it again. But the fact of the matter that Norfolk State, of all teams, let Howard come to their home and just beat them, I think, is so just, just it's, it's disheartening, you know. Norfolk State has always had this, you know, this uh, us against the world mentality, you know, when you're at uh, Dick Price Stadium, you know, you know, the whole because the neighborhood rallies around Norfolk State. And the fact that you've got these bunch of wannabe aristocrats with Howard, you know, (laughs) a school, (laughs) I call them, you know, a bunch of broke aristocrats you know, coming down there and beating you in your own house. You know, that is just flat out. I mean, I, I, I don't get that. But you know what, though? Latrell Scott, you took Norfolk State job, and you know what? This is what you get. <laughs> I mean, and I don't want to be that way, but I have to be honest. This is what you get, you know? Yeah. What, what, what do you expect at Norfolk State, you know? 
Hamptonians don't go to work there. So, yeah. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Great explanation, man. So, uh, the next surprising score, somewhat surprising, uh, North Carolina uh, Central beat Bethune-Cookman 31-14. to um, Yeah, so they went down to uh, Daytona Beach and put a beating on Bethune-Cookman. Hey, man, here's the interesting thing about this trip. So, I remember a couple of weeks when um, Central played uh, Central, was no, Western Michigan. They actually chartered a mm-hmm. bus to drive to Michigan. It was like 28-hour trip. I don't know if that was round trip, but 28 hours. But they actually chartered a plane to uh, go play Bethune-Cookman. So I guess that game may have paid for the flight to Bethune-Cookman. And it worked because they put a beat down on them. Um, 31-14, Malcolm Bell, he's looking nice uh, this year. 15 for 29. 295 yards, two touchdowns. They're running back, Ramon Simpson, 19 carries, 116 yards and a touchdown. Um, and some of uh, Bethune-Cookman's receivers had a good game. But uh, Bethune-Cookman got lumped up. Um, I am surprised. Um, I know they're dealing with a lot of injuries. Um, and we always thought that um, Bethune would have a stinker, which I think it was against Savannah State was last week. But to get beat down by Central in this manner, um, Somewhat disturbing. So Bethune is 0-4, man. And, uh, yeah, I'm I'm feeling for them. (laughs) No, I'm not feeling for them. I'm not. No, I am not. Because they're so passionate, man. I mean, they are extremely passionate. It's got to be killing them. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm I'm not. Because finally, that, you know, it just goes to show you how much uh, Brian Jenkins you know, was needed down there. And so you got a bunch of his cronies who have <laughs> not d- have not done uh, what was expected of them um, in his absence. If you think about it, it's right. You have Bill Belichick and then you have his assistants. None of his assist- assistants have been successful at any level, you know, outside of Bill Belichick. And I'm, and I'm not comparing Brian Jenkins to that. I'm just saying that it goes to show you who who basically was really in charge of that program, and Bethune Cookman. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, they have not had a good quarterback, and I, I don't buy the Quentin Williams hype. You know, they've always been a great defense with a quarterback that should have been a wide receiver or a running back, and you know, it's just, and what we're seeing is what we get. So, and I'm not surprised that Savannah State beat them. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, yeah, I'm not actually. I'm I'm less surprised. Yes. You know, by that game. <laughs> yeah. Because they always do that every year. They lost to us two years yes. ago, and we were terrible. So, um, and the final game, Savannah State beat Florida. Uh, lost to Florida A and M, nineteen to fourteen. So not much intrigue there. The only intrigue I have is, uh, how happy FAMU was for this win. And that's not the family that I know, <laughs> but uh, but they are extremely elated to have beaten Savannah State. So I'm not sure if that means Savannah State is on up and up or Florida, Florida A&M is just thirsty for a win. But I'm surprised uh, by, ha- by how happy they are to beat to have beaten Savannah State. Um, so interesting times down there in Tallahassee. But they got their first win in there. Um, yeah. And you know what? And how I look at Florida A&M is how you look at a person that you grew up with, you know, that you always admired as like, let's say like in your neighborhood, you admired this guy because this guy always, you know, was well-spoken, 
you know, he he you know, he went to went to the university and then you come back like 15, 20 years later, dude's missing teeth and you found out you <laughs> found out he'd been in and been in and out of the joint, you know. That's what fam you is right now, you know. They're like that, like, you know, you you still wearing that for ten years ago. Like, you know, do you need some help, my brother? I'll help you. You know, let, let me toss you a few dollars, you know. You know, <laughs> but, you, you but, roll, <laughs> no, but that that is, I mean, fam, you now is literally fam. You know, people pad their homecoming games with fam. You now, you know, it used to be Savannah State, but right now, it's, I mean, real talk is fam. You, that's I mean, true, man. That is true. That's true. And but, I'm not, and yeah. uh, you know, and and it's for all those rattlers out there. I mean, golly, man, Ooh. yo, they they're insufferable, man. Like when they're winning, man. They're the worst. Oh yeah, and They're this is what you get. This is what <laughs> you guys get. All that those Billy Joe days of just running up the score on people. Yeah, we run up the score on you, and your program is still in shambles. <laughs> <laughs> all those APR sanctions and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean it's it's not karma. It's just the universe uh, responding to your actions. This is what happens. Yes, there deal must be, with it. There must be balance. So. <laughs> yeah, it must be balanced, and you are still paying for Billy Joe's uh, issues, you know. So, hey, but it's all good, though, you know. We get to crash y'all homecoming, man, just like oh, you guys yeah, did all true, us. Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, well, you know, have fun at your parties while we win, though. So. Yeah, that ain't going to be pretty. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so hey man, it's it's it's, it's uh, interesting times in the MIAC. So that's an interesting score. Absolutely. Um, so Absolutely. yeah, let's talk about the standings real quick. Um, Central is at the top. They're two and zero. I'm just talking about conference right now. Yeah. Uh, Central yeah. is two and zero. Morgan State is two and zero. They're in second place. A um, and T is one and zero. South Carolina State. Nobody's talking about them, but um, they're gonna factor into this thing uh, at one and zero. Um, Fam one and one, we're one and one. Savannah State's one and one. Howard is one and two, and bringing up the rear is uh, Delaware State, Norfolk State, and Bethune Cookman. That's interesting company right there, man. Very absolutely, yeah. So just one, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but the most surprising so far this year for me has to be Norfolk State being one and four with their losses to Howard. Uh, and Central, and of course, unfortunately for them, they're playing A&T this Thursday night. So I don't think it's going to get much better for those guys. Although I think they're going to come out swinging, but it ain't going to be enough. Um, yeah, and, and you know what's so funny about this whole Norfolk State thing? Remember, uh, who was it like before the season start in uh, preseason? Was it, I know it was Charlie, uh, was it Spartan Ghost, and the Art of War, all those guys on the MFZ board you know they were talking about how how norfolk state was getting all these recruits and how yeah. everything was just gonna you know all the stars were in line that we're just gonna we're just gonna rampage through the MIAC. no you know what no you got to play football and unfortunately the football that is coming out of dick price stadium I think is mainly Pop Warner ish football. <laughs> but and, hey, here's the best part about that, though. Remember the the first game was that against Elizabeth City State, yeah, and, yes. and, and and Richmond. So the, hey, man, we ain't showing all our cards, man. 
Yeah, I, I <laughs> got more. Oh, to come. Now, oh, now, now you can't even buy a win right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, and, and you know what? And this is for all of you guys on that board who had this. Oh, I'm getting my ring. I'm getting fitted for my rings already. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you that you were that arrogant, and then just to watch you right now squirm. Because your team is what Owen. I mean, no, I'm sorry, you're not Owen four. You're what? One and four. You are one and four. Yeah, we are one and three too. But I mean, it's let's a different be honest, one and so. three. It's a different one and three. You know, so you guys lost to Howard, man. Ooh, that's like loot. No, no. I, I, I mean, and I'm sorry. I, I, I just want to gloat on this one. That is like losing to. I don't know. <laughs> I've never seen nothing that bad, man. That's uh, like, oh. Yeah. Ooh, that's, oh, oh. That's like, man, oh, I don't even want to go there. Just, I'm going to drop it. Yeah, but that's disappointing. And we also mentioned Bethune-Cookman at 0-4 losses to Savannah State and Central. Um, so, enough time to at least get to 500 and play spoiler. Enough talent to do that. So, uh, that's the MEAC standing. We'll do this. Each week and the update on the standings and the games as they get more interesting. Uh, for us, up next is uh, Delaware State. Uh, Hornets are on four. Um, they lost to Delaware, fifty-six to fourteen. They lost to Monmouth in a pretty closely played game, somewhat, uh, thirty-four to twenty. <laughs> uh, they lost to Missouri, seventy-nine to nothing. And I think they put that on a, a, a running clock, too. Um, man, 79 nothing. Um, yeah. And uh, they lost to Morgan State in the close one, 17-20. Um, they're not good. Uh, but they can. Yeah. They can. They got players. I mean, they're not terrible. So if you if you really take them lightly and don't do what you're supposed to do, you will lose or they will scare Absolutely. you. So it's not a cakewalk. Um you can now hear their stats, man. Now, you can kind of throw the Missouri game out, but even with that, it's still kind of paltry. Offenses, their offense averages 100 yards passing and 100 yards rushing per game. And the defense gives up more than double that per game. So, uh, they're just not good. Um, Hampton wins this game if they have more runs than passes. No turnovers and just play the percentages. Like, I know Maynard... Wants to show how smart he is. Likes to take chances. He's a smart dude. But just play the percentages. Play the way it's in the textbook. And you win. Like, no fourth and five and you go for it from the <laughs> from the 45. You know, no, just play the percentages. Play easy football and you'll get a, a victory here. Because a loss, uh, I don't know what a loss would do, man. Then we'd be able to talk. We'll feel like the rest of these guys next week. But they can't lose this game. Oh, no. It, I, I will say this. If they do lose this game, heads are going to roll. And then I'll say the guillotine will be warmed up. But um, <laughs> um, I, I'm, and I'm going to be honest. I have not looked at any of Delaware State's roster because I They're am not better. interested in it. They're getting better. Yeah. And, yeah. And, I mean, to Stevie T, and, you know, it's no disrespect, but. Uh, I, I'm not paying attention to this game. I'm going to watch it because I know they have uh, a free YouTube broadcast yeah, free, up there. Mm-hmm. It's free. And that's the one thing that I do appreciate about Dover, Delaware. 
<laughs> but I mean, we, Hampton wins if JJ is not quarterbacking or if JJ is handling the ball off, and JJ only passes less than 15 passes a game. That's how Hampton wins. Yeah, you're right. Or you're de- right. You're or right. and or if the defense or the special team at least uh, converts uh, turnover into a touchdown. That's how Hampton wins. But Hampton is not winning if they're tossing over 15 passes. Mm, so yeah. yeah, we don't need that, man. I mean, just take the air out of the ball. In this game, there's no reason why two running backs can't have 100 yards. Absolutely. Absolutely. No. And I just, I mean, I am, I mean, I hope that we will see more of, you know, other players in this, uh, other quarterbacks on this roster because, we kind of know what we're getting with J.J. Williams. Um, Williamson, a limited quarterback with very limited athletic ability. Let's see what um, Brandon Cox could do. I mean, he is a runner. We haven't really seen him pass the ball as much. He might not know the playbook. But, hell, this is Delaware State. This is a, a good enough opponent where we can pretty much uh, uh, open up the playbook a little bit just to see how this kid can play. Um, that's all. Yeah. Good, good point. Let, let's hope for that. Um, yeah. So that's pretty much it, man, for the, for the podcast. Uh, great show. We'll be back next week to uh, break down the, the results of uh, Delaware State. And uh, go Pirates. Go Pirates. <laughs>